I want to speak to you just a little bit about a rise and shine, okay? So my question is, what direction are you facing in life? What direction are you and I facing in life? We had a wonderful, glorious sunrise this morning. And I've talked to you about sunrises before. Sunrises are the experience, but theologically, they're earth turns. But nobody's going around this morning saying, whoa, 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 did you feel that earth turn this morning? Wow, that was an awesome earth turn we had in Bellingham. How did it, with Skagit, did they have a good earth turn? Whoa, man, that it was such an awesome turn this morning. Man, what a rotation we had this morning. You know, the earth, you see, the sun doesn't move. God doesn't move. If you're waiting for God to come, God doesn't move. Now, the experience is a sunrise. It's not a, whoa, man, that was an awesome thing you did today, Jeremiah, the way you turned toward the Lord. That was so awesome. We didn't even notice your turn, but we noticed the sun that rose. Okay. (laughs) So the way of the world is to focus upon personal desires and needs. Holy Spirit's leading us this morning to say your way is better. The way of the world is to focus on your personal desires and needs. Right now, it seems in the nations there's an identity crisis, but it's not. It's an identity cry. There's a cry for true identity. Okay, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. We are not anti-way of the world. We are the way. We are not anti-darkness. We are light. We are not anti-antichrist. We are Christ. We're not anti-lie. We're truth. We're not anti-death. We're life. Anytime you focus on being anti, you're taking one, two, three, four steps into deception. Jesus was never anti-anything. He did that which he saw the Father doing. He simply destroyed the works of the devil by what? Doing the works of the Father. He's not anti, he's the real deal. (laughs) So don't be distracted by trying to be anti-anything. Don't be anti-religion. Be freedom. Don't be anti-church. Be the church. (laughs) Don't be anti-anything. Just be life, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 26, Jesus says, hey, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. They don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Hey, if you worry at all this week, it won't add a single little measure to your life. Don't be anti what's going on in your life. Be focused on what God is doing in your life. I'm telling you, I've seen some major miracles happen this year in marriages and churches by not reacting but acting. Amazing things. So then Jesus says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. He's talking about, you know, Solomon had glory greater than that. God takes care of the grass. How much more will he take care of you? Verse 31, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or who loves me? And does God notice me? And help, 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 help. Don't worry about that stuff. (laughs) 
Your heavenly father knows you need these things. Your heavenly father knows you need these things. He's your dad. A father protects. That's what he does. <laughs> so your father knows your needs. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God, verse 33, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And don't worry about tomorrow. You've got enough to deal with today. That's what he says in verse 33. Sufficient is the day, trouble of its own. So you have trouble. Great and precious promise in the Bible. Tomorrow you'll have trouble. But you've already got some, so don't worry about what you don't have yet. You've got enough for today, right? Okay. You don't need to worry about what hasn't happened yet. You got trouble, but it's okay. You have a father who's really good with trouble. He's great. He's good. His mercy endures forever. Faith, hope, and love, eternal realities that never vanish. So seek first the kingdom. How do you seek the kingdom? How do we seek the kingdom of God? Now, the kingdom of God is not a natural kingdom. I I wish we'd listened to the words of Jesus when he was asked, hey, what will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom? Jesus' answer was, this is Luke 17, 20 and 21. He says, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with anything you naturally see. When they say, see here, see there, don't believe them. He said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. The kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said that. Okay, It's true 2,000 years ago when the worst government on planet Earth was in place. It's true today. The kingdom of God is inside of you. But the kingdoms of this world are and have and will continue to be become kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. King Ted met King Jesus 50 years ago, and my kingdom is increasingly becoming a kingdom of my Lord and Christ. My marriage is not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is within me. Therefore, my marriage is going to increasingly look like the kingdom of God, which means trouble's going to come, and I have to arise and shine. (laughs) Why? The kids are under attack, but the father is who they're after. Who he's after, okay? So Proverbs chapter 3. We sang pretty much this stuff today. Thank you, Lisa. You, you prophesied this stuff. Um, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Identity, he'll direct your paths. When you know who you are, you know how to walk. So God wants you to give you identity, but there's three things that are key for you to discover your identity. One, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's not asking you to trust with the heart you don't have yet. He's only asking you to trust with the heart that you do have. I'm 50 years old in Christ. My heart's much bigger now than it was 50 years ago. My heart is much bigger than it was 10 years ago. My heart is much bigger than it was two years ago. My heart is bigger than it was a year ago. My heart is bigger than it was at the beginning of this year. Okay? And I can trust him more now than I could in March. And he wasn't asking me in March to trust him with the heart of October. So don't worry about where your heart's not yet. Just trust him with all your heart. Be honest. 
God, I'd like to trust you more, but you know the crap that's going on in my life. <laughs> and so, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you with all my heart. Now, God puts something in your heart to help you. His Holy Spirit is what makes your spirit holy. Abstinence from the world will not make you holy. It'll only make you empty. Connection to Holy Spirit is what makes your spirit holy. And your spirit, when it becomes holy, inspires your soul to become holy. Your thoughts, your reasoning, your imagination, your emotions, and your desires. Oh, I thank you, thank you, thank you for the wonderful presence of you, Holy Spirit, in my life. You said, if I humble myself like a little child, then I can enter the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God's within me. But the only way I can access it is if I become like a kid again. If I become, if I become expectant, if I, see, kids aren't humble. He's not saying become humble like a kid. He's saying adult, get humble. Humiliation is the extreme boundaries of humble yourself. Be willing to be humbled. Be willing to be humiliated. Well, that was stupid. Well, it may have been stupid, but at least it put me in a place where I don't know anymore. You see, the trees in the garden were all good for food and pleasing to the eye, all of them. And the command in the garden of Eden was, eat, 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 eat. He commanded man to eat of every tree of the garden. That's what that sounds like. Eat, 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 but don't touch that one. In the day you eat it, you'll die. He didn't say, in the day you eat it, I'll kill you. He's saying, that one's poison. Don't touch it. It'll kill you. But, the, but God's main command was, don't touch that one. That wasn't his main command. His main command was, eat, 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 eat. And all the trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. There was only one tree that made you smart. made you wise that was the problem it made you independent it made you it made you it made you it made you norwegian it made you dutch it it, it made you german it made you american it it made you bulgarian it it made you spanish it made you independent <laughs> it made you smart it made you, it gave you the ability to say, well, no, I don't do that. I, I'm not like that. Well, how do you know what you're like? Are you done? Are you, are you the finished product? Well, that's just not me. Well, really? Okay, how's that working? Is that all the bigger you're going to become in life? Life ends in an ultimate harvest. The older you get, the younger you should be. I mean, come on, I road rashed my hand two days ago doing my six miles in the morning, but a 68-year-old man can still road rash, all right? Don't worry about falling. Just roll when you fall. And when they look at you, you're just an old man that fell. Nobody cares, all right? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I love kurani abrasato kurasandaramamasha. You want the interpretation? The interpretation is, wasn't that stupid to you? <laughs> It's God's gift of stupidity. I can't, I can't emphasize how important 
a new covenant reality that didn't exist in the old covenant. Healing existed. Miracles existed. Why? Wherever the presence of God is, miracles happen. God was present in the old covenant. So all of those things happened, but there was no, there was no tongues. There was only Babel. The Tower of Babel is where we became different and then pretended we're not. The Tower of Babel made it so that I judge everyone else by what's inside my skin. But the family of God, you're born into a family. And kids are different. So trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Then the second thing, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. You know what will happen when you do that? It'll bring health to your flesh and strength to your bones. That's your testimony. Your identity has to do with <laughs> where do you trust, what understanding do you lean on, and who do you acknowledge? But your testimony has to do with how smart are you <laughs> and how the fear of the Lord is not the fear of death. It's not the fear of being in trouble. It's an awe of God. Don't be wise in your own understanding. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. That just simply means run from it. <laughs> and it'll be healthier flesh and strengthier bones. Okay, so that takes care of testimony. How about your purpose? Your purpose. I was talking to Roy. Roy's got a job. What are you, 77, Roy? These guys just got 55 years of marriage. You should have them lay hands on you if you're married. All right, 55 years. And, you know, Roy says he's still working at 77. He loves his job. Okay. You get old when you lose purpose, so don't lose purpose. Every season has a job, even if they don't pay you. I hope they're paying you a little bit, Roy, for what you're doing. But even if you don't get paid, you still have a job. Your job, you, you were born for purpose. You were born for purpose. You were born for barns and vats. That's bread and wine. That's what Melchizedek gives you, bread and wine. And bread and wine is spirit, soul, and physically. You were born for bread and wine, to be bread and wine, something that changes the inside and something that changes the outside. If you don't realize that wine changes the outside, just, I'm not advocating you do it, but drink a bottle, it'll change the outside, all right? So drink a bottle of the Holy Spirit, and it should change the outside of your life, okay? And get the Word of God engrafted in you, and it should change the internal part of your life, your character. So Honor the Lord with your possessions. What do you possess? Honor the Lord with your possessions. How about your attitude? How about your expectations? Do you possess expectations? Do you possess time? Do you possess money? Do you possess vision? Do you possess dreams? Do you possess plans? Honor the Lord with all that you possess. And with the first fruits of all your increase, your first fruit, the first living thing, the first new experience, the first new thing with first fruits, honor God. It isn't put God first and then you get the other six days. 
we did it this morning. Jesus is in the center. That's how he's first. He's first in your family, first in your marriage, first in your fun, first in your play, first in your work, first every day, first in your sleep. He's in the center of your room always. He's always first. He's always first. When you're on the toilet, he's first on the toilet. He doesn't say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, I didn't realize you were going to the bathroom. I'll be back. He's with you. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. (laughs) Come on. God is that real. Jesus is in your life. He's first in everything. And if you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with wine. That's your purpose of your life. Okay? So we got to seek the kingdom. That means we, we, we get our identity, our testimony, and our purpose from him. We do it by, by not trusting ourselves. We trust him with the heart that we have today. Okay? We'll come back to that, but just a few minutes. When we turn to the Lord in our hearts, we experience the glory of God from within us. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed and we're changed from glory to glory. And how do you know? You behold it in a mirror. Somebody said it. Thank you. So what do you see when you look in the mirror? You see you. You see you. But you should be different than you were the last time you looked in the mirror. If you're not different than your last time you looked in the mirror, it meant you somehow got distracted from turning to Jesus. Okay? Oh, it's all you, Jesus. It's none of me. Come on, you aren't that good. It's all you and all him. You're all in. He's all in. He loves it. He doesn't see your spots, blemishes, or wrinkles. Do you have some? Yeah, but he don't see them. And how does he deal with them? He brings you alongside of himself. That's what washes you, waters you, changes you, transforms you. Okay? So we see a change in us when we turn to him in our hearts. Now, we must bow in order to stand. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Ready? Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This is right after uh, Isaiah talks about Jesus being crucified, dead, buried, rejected for our sins. And now he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but... The Lord will arise over you. Don't be distracted by the world's darkness. Arise and shine. Your light has come. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, those who don't have a clue, those who are blind and don't know where they're going, shall come to your light. You know, the world doesn't see, doesn't know Holy Spirit. They can't see him. They don't know him. God doesn't condemn the world for what they don't know or what they can't see. He never wants his sons or his daughters to condemn the blind. 
He never wants his son or his daughters to make the message of the gospel, you're a sinner, you need to come to Jesus. He wants the message to be, here is Jesus, come to him. (laughs) (laughs) When Jesus walked into my room, I had a good enough revelation that I didn't measure up. Trust me, nobody told me, I just knew it. But when he walked into the room, my life changed. I leaked out my nose. I leaked out my eyes. I leaked out my heart. I confessed, not that he needed me to, but I needed to get it off my, get it out of my gut. (laughs) And he came in. So the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. Gentiles will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea. The abundance of the world shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Please don't try to get their money. You don't know what to do with it. Just get them. They know what to do with it. Okay, the wealth is not, money can be like a non-wealth. You know, the, the moment you buy something, it starts wearing out. Did you figure that out? It's a burden. I'm not saying don't own things. I'm just saying figure out where your treasure is. Okay, now, so rise and shine. What's the sound of our lives? What's the atmosphere of our lives? What do people see? What do people hear? What do people experience when we walk into the room? I talked about this previously this year here. What do people see? What do people hear? What do people experience? Jesus says, I'm the way. What do people see? Do they see someone who trusts in the Lord with all their heart? They don't lean on their own understanding, but they acknowledge God in all their ways. What do people hear? Do they hear someone who is not wise in their own eyes, but is in awe of God and simply departs from evil? And what do they experience when you walk into the room? Do they experience someone who honors God with all their possessions and with the first of all their increase? Do they experience the abundance of vats and barns? (laughs) Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. As sons and daughters, we express the way, the truth, and the life. In this same chapter, first, before I read this, we are the family of God. Jesus came looking for his family. He came as Adam, and inside of him was Eve. He came to give every drop of the life of the flesh so that you could receive every drop of the life of the Spirit. He came to break the curse of all futility by making it so that you were no longer a body of flesh, but you could be the body of Christ. So he came to destroy the works of the devil by empowering the work of God as sons and daughters of God. So his shedding of blood on Calvary, the last place that he shed blood, the seventh place that he shed blood was after he went to sleep, like first Adam went to sleep. See, first Adam named a gazillion animals, but he was still missing what was necessary. 
What was inside first Adam needed to come on the outside of first Adam. A rib needed to be taken out of Adam so that what was in him would no longer be in him, and then he would get a revelation about relationship, that what's out here really belongs in here. And he'd be willing to pay the price to get what's out here in here. So first Adam went to sleep. God took from him a rib, made Eve, and she became bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh to fulfill the mandate, to be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion. Short-lived. The fall happened. I think there's a lot of things there. But ultimately, Jesus came to redeem the curse of the fall. And he came as an eternal Adam with Eve inside of him. Well, he didn't name a gazillion animals, but he cast out a gazillion demons and healed a gazillion sick people and turned a whole lot of water to wine and did a whole lot of miracles, gave identity to places that needed identity because he was a full man with the wool man inside of him. <laughs> and then when he gave up his spirit, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He died. He went to sleep, and they pierced his side, and blood and water came out, seventh shedding of blood, went down on the ground. That dirt was Skagit Valley, Whatcom County, and it called for the bride of Christ to come from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. The eternal Eve his helpmate. The wife is not the helper of the man's helpmate with the man to fulfill the will of the father. Why? They know the kids will be under attack, but the father's who they're after. Never the will of Adam, never the will of Eve, always the will of the father. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it in heaven? Pretty good. Never been bad. Never been bad. Oh, there was, some, there was some rebellion, not a problem. What wasn't a witness of God simply got cast out. I believe that two-thirds, two is the number of witness, three is the number of God, two-thirds remained, one-third, that which was selfish, one-third, got cast out. Was it literally one-third? I don't know, but it was least. Whatever was not a witness of God couldn't stay in the presence of God. That gives me great hope. That means God always, whatever's a witness of God in my life will remain. Whatever's not a witness of God can't remain. Thank you. One-third's always cast out of my life. My selfish way is always cast out. Thank you, God. So that what remains of me is a pure, unadulterated witness of you. Two-thirds remains. Hey, numbers are, are prophetic. They're symbolisms. God trying, not, God's not limited in his language. He's just trying to get you to prophesy. <laughs> He's not necessarily wanting you to understand it. He just puts things out there that creation knows what it means. <laughs> okay. Now, when the church in Acts 2, the bride of Christ, the church, the wife, the eternal Eve, Jesus confirms it's her. He walks into the door where she's hiding, and he says, it's okay, boys. <laughs> Peace. He breathes on them. <laughs> Receive the Holy Spirit. 
And then he says, go wait for the promise to come. He ascends into heaven in bodily form. They're watching him as he goes into heaven. A couple of angels come, and they're looking at him, and the disciples are doing this. Like a lot of churches today. Wondering when he's going to come. And the angel said, what are you doing? Get over to Jerusalem. Don't you know that in like manner as he left, he will return? Now, how did he leave? A body went into the clouds. Please read that in Scripture. Don't read it in Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, or in your journal. Read it in the Scripture. What does in the clouds mean? It always means the manifest presence of God. It's really good news for that which wants God, and it's really good news in that it gets rid of whatever doesn't want God. So it's really good news. So the body of Jesus went into the clouds. And then 10 days later, what happened? The body of Christ was in an upper room. And there's only one thing that could confirm this is the body of Christ. That would be if the cloud of God's manifest presence could clothe this body so that it is on earth as it is in heaven, it would be a confirmation that there is an eternal Adam in heaven with all authority so that there will be an eternal body of Christ which will subdue and exercise dominion over every principality, power, throne, dominion, and name in every age until the earth is covered with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters presently cover the sea. That's just for your information. If you don't believe it for the world, please believe it for your life. The evidence of last Adam will outweigh the evidence of old Adam in your life. Okay, where you're at in life, the last sound of your life is a celebration of the harvest of your life. And there's going to be a shout. <laughs> hmm. So the Holy Spirit comes on in, in Acts 2, and they, God is awesome. This is the day. This is the day to arise and shine, for God has come to bring his glory. And now goes forth the call to the nations. It goes out from generation to generation. They'll be gathering in of sons and daughters. They'll flow with life like living waters. They'll break the fountains of the deep for the covenant of God they will keep. They said something like that. And Peter says, this is what Joel was talking about, said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They'll speak. Life will happen. Even your men's servants, your maid servants will prophesy. They'll speak, and life will happen. Old men will dream dreams. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's the point? They're old. Dream again. Dream again. And the young will have vision. In the... Be, and the sun will be turned black and the moon to blood. Okay? Let's read Isaiah 60, verse 19, 20. We just read Isaiah, arise and shine, your light has come. So Isaiah 19, 60, 19, the sun shall no longer be the light by day, nor by bright, for brightness shall the moon give light to you. 
Remember, he said there's darkness in the nations, but not so with you. Arise and shine. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, an everlasting light. Don't care how dark it looks at the moment. You have an everlasting light. And God, your God, your glory, your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. The days of your mourning shall be ended. Also, your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hand, that I may be glorified. Okay. Joel didn't say, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Why did Peter say, in the last days? Joel said, afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter said to a people who were holding on to old covenant in a time to arise and shine, telling them, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You lose your life, you save it. They lay it down, you find it, okay? So I'm simply telling you today, it's time to arise and shine because we're the family of God. Don't be worried about sunrises and sunsets, <laughs> what it looks like in the natural. The opposite of faith is natural sight. Your light is Christ. Your light is your Father, and he's not letting you down. He's great, he's good, his mercy endures forever. So your expectations, what are your expectations? What direction are you facing? Are you seeking your will or are you seeking God's kingdom and will to be done in your life? Are you looking towards life or death? Are you facing sunrises or sunsets? Do you see the glass filling up or going empty? See, the desirable place is in the east. The sun came up in the east today. Why? The earth turned toward the east. The desirable place. Eden means desirable place. The place of turning to God for the source of a new day. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. For what reason? so that you would know that God is great, God is good, his mercy endures forever, and you'd bring the fruitfulness of the God of the garden to the barrenness of your world. Your life begins and lives from turning toward the Lord. I've watched God do so many miracles this year. I had one, one situation was disastrous. It was, it looked like it was over. My instruction was to an individual, I want you to pray in tongues. I want you to pray in tongues and do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. This individual prayed probably six hours a day in tongues and was obedient to everything the Holy Spirit said. I was in communication via, via Zoom with this individual every day at first, and then a couple of times a week. and. And it was just a friend. But I, I didn't say what to do. I just said, pray in the Spirit. Do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. Okay? Because it's not turning to wise counsel that brings your answer. It's turning to the one who is wise. 
It's not knowing what to do that gives you a plan. It's knowing who you are that gives you the plan. Who are you? You're a son. You're a daughter. God's your father. Turn to your dad. And don't lean on your own understanding. I can't emphasize how important. If you don't speak in tongues, at least go to God and ah, ah, ah. Just ah, ah, Jesus. Ah, Jesus. Ah, you sound like a donkey. Do something. Uh, just Jesus. If, if, that's hard, if that's hard for you, that means there's a strong hold in your life. I'm serious. If that's embarrassing for you, that's because there's something in your life that is a strong hold that would prevent you from being like a little child. Become a grandpa. It'll help you. I play with castles and princesses. I can do it easy. I can be a horse. I can be a piggyback. I can be a place to put stickers. I can, I, I am an antique little boy. I, I, I know how to move into the neighborhood. See, God knows how to move into your neighborhood, but you also have to know how to move into his neighborhood. <laughs> Go to the east. Cain went out from the east, got him in trouble. <laughs> Tower of Babel, they went out from the east, got them in trouble. But we turned to the Lord. So, let's pray. All right. God, thank you, Jesus, that you are who you are. Thank you for your wonderful grants, the wonderful gifts that you give, that there's many grants, gifts that you give. Um, and we need a few grants. We need a few gifts from heaven. We need the influence of your kingdom to come, your will to be done. We surely don't need to be smart this morning. We just need you. So we thank you that our light is an eternal light, that eternal life is knowing you, Father. It's knowing you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you're the one that makes that true. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you have come in the name of Jesus, the name that's above all other names, even the names that in my bathroom or in my kitchen or in my living room, in my yard, in my workplace. Your name's above all those names. You've come, Holy Spirit, in me. You're an intercessor. You're the, the, the one who is the consoler, like as in a consulate. <laughs> uh, you don't bring uh, counsel, you bring intercession. You console, you draw what's in heaven into our lives. So we thank you right now. Miracle, come in Jesus' name. We've spoken your word. Stretch out your hand to heal Jesus. Let signs and wonders come into our homes. Marriages, be healed in Jesus' name. Let nothing be swept under the rug. Thank you. This is a season where things that have been hidden are being revealed. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. They're only revealed so they can't be hidden again. They're revealed so that they're consumed by you and we become authentic. We become real. You've always seen us to be authentic and real. When the heat is up, dross floats to the top. No big deal to you. You've got a dipper in your hand. Just skim it off in Jesus' name. Bring your healing, bring your healing, bring your healing. Thank you that things that were swept under the rug aren't 
able to be swept under the rug. You've rearranged the furniture. You've thrown away some old rugs. Thank you. Thank you that things are coming to the light so they can be made light. You've got fire in your eyes, not flashlights. When you look, you consume what you see that needs to be consumed, and you ignite what needs to be lit. Let passions be lit by you. Give us the desires of our heart. Right now, miracle come, miracle come, signs, wonders come. Come on, feet be more than lifted from the snares. Feet be on the path where there are no snares. That we not be led into the path of temptation, but simply be delivered from evil. Signs and wonders come now, expecting this week unexplainable results. Things lost, found, impossible things, impossible things, impossible things. You know, can those bones live? You know, God. You know, God. You are near us, Holy Spirit, like a word about to be spoken. <laughs> like a word about to be spoken. Put it in our mouths. Put it in our hearts so it can be in our mouths. Let this be a day of declaration. This be a day of miracles the family of God. Thank you. Thank you. Arise and shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.